Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive, high-performance culture into your daily lives. In this week's episode, I'm looking at the journeys that we're all on in life and looking at them as if it were a Grand Prix. Plus, I've got a nifty little party trick to teach you that might just make you think about the rest of your days slightly differently. Welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things. You only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won, so it could be deemed that that's, that's a failure. Hey, everybody, and welcome back, not just to a brand new episode this time, but to a brand new season. This is the start of season five of the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast with me, Mark Priestley. Uh, it's episode 41, and it's testament and thanks to many of you guys that this podcast has got this far. But I firmly believe we're only at the beginning of this journey. I want to grow this platform to be bigger and better, to grow the community that you guys are all part of, that I feel very much a part of as well. And I want to grow that in a number of ways. We're in season five, and to help me grow that, I need your help and interaction in terms of your continued messages of support that keep me going, the sharing uh, and the sharing and posts on social media that you guys tag me in. And every single one of those posts, when you tag me in a post about this podcast, I guarantee I search for them, I look for them, I react to them, I let you know that I've seen it, I might repost it. I try and repost as many as I can. I wanna continue doing that. So if you're willing to commit to taking a moment to share the podcast on your social networks and tag me in it, well, I commit to doing my bit and recognizing that input from your side. So I wanna carry on doing that. I also need you to share it on social media, but also on your WhatsApp groups, amongst your friends and family, any way you can tell more people about it. For me, that's a real big bonus. And the final thing I need from you to continue, because I know many of you do this already, I need you to interact, however it is and wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening in any of the podcast stores, a like, a follow, a subscribe, but especially a rating and review if you're watching or listening on the Apple Podcast Store. A rating and review means the world, and it really does help the algorithm that Apple uses to, to share the podcast further and wider, to help us to grow this community. And I firmly believe that if this community, if this community grows, if it gets bigger, we all stand to benefit as a result of that because we share the pool of knowledge that comes from that community. We share the comments, the questions that I'd love you to keep posing to me that not only keep challenging me in different ways, but also can help generate content for the podcast, subjects that we can then discuss. If you've got a challenge in your life that you're struggling with, let me know. I may or may not be able to help, but between us all, we might be able to have some kind of advice or something that can help you. So those are all things that I want to continue to do, but also to do bigger and better and more of from this series, season five onwards. But the other way that I've really chosen, and this was a big dilemma of mine to help me grow the podcast, is in terms of bringing on board partners. Now, that was a dilemma for me, a conflict, because you know if I do that, I'm effectively, I'm inflicting an advert to some extent on you during the hour that you listen. 
But what I've chosen to do, because I don't know if it's going to work or not, and again, I want your feedback on this, I've chosen to trial this just for a few episodes to see how it goes. And very specifically, I've brought on board, I'm delighted to say, very proud to say, two partners that have agreed to join the journey, at least in the short term, two partners who I feel could not be a better fit for this podcast. I'm going to talk more about them a little bit later on, but one of them you may know already. One of them, Oma Legato watches kind of has been here since the start. From the very first few episodes, season one of this podcast, Omolagato Watches, who's run by a friend of mine, Shami Kalra, got in touch with me to say, look, I've listened to the podcast. It's exactly what we stand for as a brand. I want to be part of it. And we found a way to make that happen. I'm delighted to say that Omolagato are back. But also new to the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast are Car Gods. Now, Car Gods are a brand of ultimate professional car detailing products. And I know, many of you know, if you ever watched me on Wheeler Dealers, you know that I have attention to detail. That's what I care about. This podcast is all about that. And Car Gods share that very same vision. They are all about the finer details of detailing your car to make it look good. I've used so many products on Wheeler Dealers. I try and test everything to make these cars look as good as they can for when we present them on television at the end, the finished product. And by far the standout best set of products, the suite of products that I've chosen as my preferred, as my favorite, come from Car Gods. Again, I'll talk more about them later, but I'm delighted and thrilled and honored to say they have chosen to join the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast as a partner for these next couple of episodes. So thank you very much to Omolagato Watches and to Car Gods Detailing Products. I'd love it if you'd go and check them out, but I'll tell you more about them a little bit later on. Now, I want to talk about the vision for the podcast, the, the reason behind it, the purpose this podcast exists And the reason is, and I'm sure many of you are aware of this, many of you know this, the reason this podcast exists is because I know that I've had an incredibly privileged existence, a privileged opportunity to work in this this elite environment of Formula One. I spent 10 years at McLaren working alongside the very best people in every single area of that organization. And even when our organization went to a racetrack, I'm again surrounded by other elite organizations. Now, can you imagine what 10 years of every single day for 10 years being surrounded only by hugely successful people, only by people who have succeeded in what they've set out to achieve, the very best at what they do. Imagine if every single person you came into contact with every single day amongst your friends, your colleagues, your family, anybody who you interact with on a daily basis, imagine if every single one of them was ultimately successful in in everything they achieved in life, they tried to set out to achieve at least, if they were elite level in every way, the very best of the best. Imagine if that's all you ever came into contact with and what that might do for you. Because to some extent, that's what happened to me over a 10-year period. I didn't appreciate it, at least at first, in the beginning of that 10-year spell at McLaren, but I absolutely appreciate it today because I know, having looked back, how that's impacted me and how it's impacted not just the 10 years that I spent at the team, but how it's impacted me over the rest of my life. That elite level, attention to detail, that focus, that winning mentality has rubbed off on me. 
It's now part of my makeup that perhaps wasn't there, certainly wasn't there to the same extent before I began working and being part of this community at McLaren. And this podcast exists to share the learnings that came from that. Not very many people get to spend an existence purely surrounded by success. And I don't mean that we won every single race we went in for or every championship we contended for, but I mean I'm surrounded by successful people who have a successful way of thinking, a winning mentality. They have a drive to be better today than they were yesterday. And every single day they show up for work with that same mentality, with a drive to become slightly better in every single thing that they did the day before. That's an achievable thing to set out for. That's an achievable ambition to have every single day. It doesn't have to be an improvement by very much, but it has to be an improvement every single day. How many of us actually wake up in the morning and think along those lines? Because I do, I try to. Of course, there are days when I forget all of that. Of course, there are days where other things take over my mind and I don't seem to have the the clarity of thought or the capacity to stop and take a moment and think the way that Formula One team taught me to think. But it's ingrained in me. So over the long haul, over the course of a week, that's exactly how I think. I reflect on every single day and look at where I might be able to improve. What did I do well? What didn't I do so well? I write those thoughts down in a diary. It's like a debrief after a race. All of this comes from my existence at McLaren. And so the podcast exists to try and help you guys who may not have been lucky enough to share that same kind of experience to think more along the lines of a Formula One team. It's to think a little bit more how an elite sport team or an elite organization might think. That doesn't have to be in a work capacity, it's just in a life capacity. I spent a lot of my time sharing these learnings, these understandings that I now have with big corporations, with with companies, with businesses. That's what I do a lot of my time today. But it's not just business specific, it's life advice. The things that I learned at McLaren have benefited me in life and they can benefit you. And that is why the podcast is here. That's why I started it. That's why I continue it. And I know, because many of you let me know this, that it's helping you too. And that means the world to me. And that's why I want to continue. That's why I want to get bigger and better and do more. But of course, it's got to be more that benefits you. And that's why I need your feedback on it. So that's why this podcast exists. That's the reason I get up and do what I do when it comes to sitting down and recording the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. And when I started to think about opening this episode and thinking about what I was going to say for the beginning of season five, which feels like a momentous moment for me at least, I wanted to start thinking about our purpose in life. What was our mission in life as as a whole? And the more I started thinking about this, and I was thinking it whilst I walked the dogs this morning, I often do this ahead of a podcast. I've gone a dog walk. I won't put music on. I won't do anything other than try and think through what sort of topics and conversations might be worthy of the podcast. And today I started to think about our mission, our goals in life. What are we here for? What is the reason that we exist? I've just told you why this podcast exists, the reason behind it. Well, what's the reason that we exist? What's the reason that we do whatever it is that we do? Why do we get up in the morning and set about trying to achieve something? What's the point of it? Is it simply 
that we go to work to earn a bit of cash, to earn some money, to pay the bills. And for many people, that is it. That is the very reason they go to work. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about an even bigger purpose than that though. What is it that we do in our lives? What sort of journey are we on? What kind of mission are we in the middle of? If you think about the big things you've accomplished in life, the big moments of success, where you landed an incredible dream job, for example, where you met the person of your dreams. Maybe you got married or maybe you had children. Maybe you finally managed to land the house of your dreams or buy your very first home. Whatever it might be, some major accomplishment in life. Whether you got great grades at a university or at a school. That's a big accomplishment, but it didn't happen on that one day where you got your results. It didn't even happen on the one day where you took your exams or where you signed the paperwork for that house or where you did your interview for that job. That's the very last part of that particular story or of that particular mission that you were on. That accomplishment will have begun a long, long time before that. The journey that you took to get to that place of achievement in whatever it looks like for you will have started a long way before you even considered that that was the journey you were on. And one of the things that I often try and look back on, and I do it with this podcast as well, as I try and look back and make sure that I'm still staying true to my original mission, the mission that I've just outlined to you, to help you guys to think more like an elite organization or like a Formula One team thinks. I have to go back and check in with myself every now and again because I know I'm on that mission, so every time I do a podcast, I have to go back and I say, well, okay, have, have what I've just said, has that somehow linked into the mission? Or have I veered off? And I do veer off sometimes. I lose track of that original mission, but I have to try and bring myself back. And the point I'm trying to make is, quite often we don't appreciate that we're on a mission or we're on a journey. We're on some kind of challenge, whether it be a short-term one, medium-term, or the long-term challenge of life. We don't appreciate where we are in that journey so often. And what I'm trying to say is if you look back at your big moments of achievement, and then if you look back even further, back in history, back in time, you might be able to trace the journey and where that journey started. I mean, if I take my journey to Formula One, for example, the moment I got into Formula One felt like, you know, the best day of my life. I clearly remember it today. I remember the moment that I got the phone call from McLaren to say, we want you to come and join the test team. After my interview, you've got the job effectively, is what they said. And it was the best moment of my life up until that point. But then I went and I got the job and I spent 10 years at McLaren, which were all incredible. And I can pick out a number of big moments during that 10 years that felt like the best moments of my life. But actually all of that, and even beyond that, in fact, even beyond that, having spent 10 years at McLaren, Everything I do today stemmed from my career in Formula One. The fact that I get to broadcast or commentate on Formula One races for the BBC, that's only happened because I got my job at McLaren. The fact I go and talk to companies all over the world about how they can build their company to be bigger and stronger. Talking about a Formula One model as an example, that came from my time in Formula One. This very podcast is as a direct result of my journey through Formula One. Pretty much every single thing that I did and I do, in fact, my whole career post Formula One 
only happened because of my career in Formula One. So it's all part of that same journey. But my journey through Formula One clearly began long before I got the job, long before I had the interview. You know, I spent years working my way up to Formula One through the junior categories. But even before that, I knew I was on a mission to try and get to F1. And the point that I'm trying to make is we are on a journey, all of us, right now. We may not have a full appreciation of where that journey is heading, where we're going, what we're trying to achieve with it for some of us even. But we are always in the middle of some kind of mission. There will be a moment that might come. It might come today. It might come tomorrow. It might come next week or in a few years time. There'll be a moment, though, that could be a moment of huge success. It might be a moment of of enormous defeat, of enormous failure. But those moments are just part of a journey. And the journey that we're on right now, things we do today, all can feed into whatever that end product or that end result might be. That is the point that I'm trying to make here. When I was 17 years old and I was just going through college, making the decision that I want to commit my life to a mission of trying to get to Formula One, I want to study engineering and I want to get into this world of of motorsport. Those were just decisions at the time that I was thinking, well, that would be a cool thing to do. That'd be a great job. I do have a passion for it, so I'd love to do it. At never at any point did I think, well, the end goal will be I want to have a, a career in broadcasting around Formula One. I want to get onto an international television show about cars. Never did that enter my thought process. But it's part of the same journey. And what I mean by all of this, the reason I'm saying it, is the decisions that I made when I was 17, when I was 18, when I was 19, 20, those decisions, those actions that I took, I far from got them all right. I made some huge mistakes, as we all do. But the decisions that I made, the things that I did, the behaviours that I acted out, have all fed into, both positively and negatively, the continuation of that journey. Things I did when I was 18 will have led on to me getting the job, the next rung up the ladder towards Formula One. When I got into Formula One, some of the things that I did, the way I worked, the way I behaved, the way I acted, my attitude, the way I treated people, those little factors, seemingly tiny at the time, will have all fed into me being promoted up through the organisation to a point where I moved into leadership roles inside McLaren as I worked my way up. They gave me influence. They gave me the opportunity to help shape the team and to learn a huge amount more. Things that I learnt that I'm now sharing with you. The behaviours and actions that we do today, the things that we do, the things we say, the way we treat people, the conversations we have, What do we do when we get out of bed in the morning? What our attitude is, what our thought process and mentality is. All of those things are just little factors that are feeding into the next stage. And who knows what that next stage could be? But depending on what decisions we make, depending which directions we choose to go in during these moments, during these periods of time, during these days, today... Those little tiny, seemingly inconsequential decisions all do actually have consequences. And it's our job, the thing that I know, the thing that I've learned, and this came through Formula One. The tiny little details, the things that we choose to do right now will have a benefit somewhere further down the line. 
that tiny little bit of extra effort to make something look good. When I'm preparing a car for the show for Wheeler Dealers, I will go the extra mile. It really annoys some people on the team because I'll scrap something. I'll go back to the beginning if it isn't good enough. And that costs us time. Effectively, it sometimes costs us money. Extra filming time costs us extra money. But I want it to be right. And I've done this over and over again. It all comes from a place of wanting to do the best job that I can. And there are people around me in our team that... I don't think had quite that same mentality. And that's no criticism of anybody that I work with, it's just that they've been brought up differently, they've operated in different environments. Perhaps they have a more more of a focus on time and budget, and that's fair enough, they're all genuine considerations to have. My biggest focus has always been on the attention to detail, to doing the things as well as they can be done, to constantly improving and reviewing what we've done understanding if there was a way afterwards that we could have done it better. Can we still go back and change it? Can we still improve it? And if we can, well, why wouldn't we? So these decisions and processes that we go through today can have a much more profound effect than we appreciate further down the line. And when I was on my dog walk this morning, I was thinking, well, how can I refer this back to Formula One? How can I make people appreciate or understand that we think about the way a Formula One team thinks, how can we equate what we go through, given that we are, most of us, not working for Formula One teams, even working in elite sports. Most of us are what most of us would call just operating normal lives. We're going through life day by day. Many of us just trying to survive, just trying to get through. Well, I thought about equating our lives to a Formula One Grand Prix. And in the loosest possible terms, let's equate one lap of that Grand Prix to one year of our lives, let's say, very roughly and broadly speaking. Now, if you think about how we approach one lap of a Grand Prix, or even more so than that, if we zoned in on a couple of corners, we'd take a very different approach if our entire focus was just on a couple of corners and a straight, or one lap, than we would do if we took the approach of zoning out and focusing on the entirety of that Grand Prix. Now, the reason I'm equating it like that, I'm looking at it like that, using that as an analogy, is I think, to some extent, I think we can look at the the focus that a team has on a Grand Prix in a similar way to the way that we look at life, right? Because when we are younger, when we're in our, our teenage years and our 20s, we tend to zone right in on life. We have a fairly narrow focus. We're not looking at much more than the corner ahead of us in our analogy of the Grand Prix. And if you're not looking further than a corner or a couple of corners ahead, if that's the entirety of your focus, well, how are you gonna approach it? You're gonna go flat out, aren't you? You don't have to think about anything else. You're going to go flat out. You're gonna go headlong into that corner, barreling in late on the brakes. There's no tire saving. There's no brake saving. There's no energy saving or fuel saving. It's all about get in and get out as quickly as possible, flat out. If there's a guy that's a couple of corners ahead of you and you can see him, all focus is gonna be on trying to catch him and overtake him. Nothing else matters to you when you're young than just going for it in that zoned in, tiny little portion of life that you've got to focus on. As we get older, we start to zone out a little bit. We zoom out in terms of our perspective. I'm now in my mid forties. 
And I now have a perspective on life that has a much wider field of view. My focus now is actually on, on, on a whole life period. I'm looking at the rest of my life. I'm looking back on what's gone before. I'm starting to appreciate a huge amount more of what I have done, what I want to do, how I might set about doing that. Yes, I've got to focus on the lap that I'm on, and I've got goals and targets for this particular year or this particular lap of the race, but I also want to make sure I'm going to get to the end. I want to make sure that I'm not going to burn myself out, that I'm not going to use up everything I've got on this lap, and I'll still be able to continue in a good place for the rest of my life, for the rest of the Grand Prix. So I'm starting to think much more about my health and my fitness and my well-being, both physical and mental. Thinking more about what I eat, how I behave, what I do. I've got a, a much bigger picture viewpoint of all of this. Way bigger picture than I ever had when I was back in my 20s. And we're all the same, right? Nobody has a view for the rest of their lives when they're 20. When we're 20, we're 100 miles an hour. We are making mistakes constantly. Hopefully we learn from those mistakes. There's nothing wrong with that. Going 100 miles an hour is how we experience more and more in a short period of time. Taking opportunities, creating opportunities, getting them wrong, making mistakes in relationships, in career opportunities, getting jobs wrong, making mistakes with friends and colleagues and making the wrong choices of where we live, how we live, what university we go to, whether we go to university going out all night or staying in every now and again to recover. We go through 100 miles an hour. We don't think about any bigger picture scenarios. We see what's right in front of us and we go for it. And that is exactly, by the way, how we should be in our 20s. I firmly believe that's what the 20s are for. We should be focused just on that lap and 100% going for it. But the sooner we begin to appreciate this bigger picture scenario, the sooner we begin to zoom out. It doesn't mean we take our eye off the lap that we're on or the corner that we're on in our lifelong Grand Prix, but the sooner we're able to zoom out a little bit and combine that zoned in perspective of this lap with the bigger picture of the Grand Prix, we've got a much better opportunity of making decisions that will positively impact the bigger picture journey that we're on. And I think that that's something that we can all benefit from. I joined Formula One in my early 20s. I got into McLaren in my early 20s. I was 100 miles an hour. I made no decisions with my bigger life picture in perspective. I didn't save money. I didn't think very much about pensions or investments or any of that stuff that we're all taught much, much later on to start thinking more about. I didn't think about any of those things. I was all about the moment and I enjoyed every single second. I wouldn't change any of it. I loved every minute of it. I maximized what was in front of me on that particular lap of my life. And it was great. My point here is that as we get older and there is a benefit to seeing this at a younger and younger age, it doesn't mean we have to stop doing the things that we all have done and do in our 20s that we love, that we should be doing. But if we can just combine that with a slightly zoomed out perspective of where we're heading, it might minimise some of the poor decisions that we make that could negatively impact the bigger picture journey that we're on. And that is what I learned from my time in Formula One. Yes, we've got to 
go for it. We've got to seize an opportunity if it's there in front of us. And quite often, it's the right decision to grab that opportunity with both hands, almost with no eye on what's coming further down the line. Sometimes we have to just go for it. We don't know when that opportunity might come back. And that's the same in a Grand Prix. If you've got a car in front of you, a driver has to make a decision, do I want to use up a little bit more tire performance, a little bit more fuel, a bit more energy, because there's an opportunity here to make up a place. It might cost me later in the line, later down the race, but I think that if I get in front, I can hold position, I can use strategy, I can use positioning of my car to hold that guy back in the future. But here's the opportunity to get past, so I'm gonna go for it. Sometimes, 100%, that's the right thing to do. Just go for it. I would always advise everybody about zooming out too early in life. Certainly from zooming out with a, uh, an eye taken off the, the, the close-up picture. We should never, in terms of our Grand Prix strategy, be so focused on the overall big picture that we lose sight of opportunities that pop out of nowhere. We have to be flexible enough, adaptable enough, to take those when they come along. But if we can combine it with a bigger picture view as well, then we're much, much stronger. A Formula One race strategy that is flexible enough to be adapted if an opportunity pops up. If we have a great start that we weren't expecting where we make up five places, there's no point sticking to your original race strategy where you started in P10 and you had a race strategy that was centered around that. Because if by the second corner you're up in P5 and up with the leaders, you've got to adapt your big picture race strategy. So we have to be flexible. There is no benefit to having one viewpoint or the other exclusively, but there's a huge benefit of combining both. And my point, I think, is if we can think about the journeys that we're all on, the decisions we're making, the strategies that we've got in play right now, do we even have a strategy? Quite often we're on a mission or on a journey without realizing it. And there may well be a strategy in place. That strategy comes from the behaviors that we do, the things that we've been doing in life, the way we behave, the way we act, the people that we interact with or that we hang around with, the choices we make with our friends and colleagues or in our relationships, the places that we choose to go, the people that we choose to see. These are strategic decisions that we make so often subconsciously. What I'm suggesting is, is there a possibility that we can just every now and again be a bit more conscious, at least be a little bit more conscious about how we make these decisions, about which decisions we make. Do they fit into our overall big picture purpose here? If we're on a mission, what is it? Are we on the right mission? Do we need to tweak it? Do we need to think a little bit more about what the end goal might be here? Where do we want to end up? And if we continue doing the things that we do today with the people that we hang around with or that are in our lives today, continuing the behaviors and the decisions and the ways of life, the ways of living with our current career trajectory, the current people that we work with or work for, where is all this leading? If we fast forward a few laps in our Grand Prix, fast forward a few years, five years from now, where are the current behaviors in your life taking you? 
Is it possible they won't take you anywhere? Is it possible that five years from now, you'll be in exactly the same place you're in today? Maybe that's fine. Maybe that's okay. Maybe you're really happy where you are today. And if your vision five years from now is pretty much the same, maybe that looks great to you. But what if it doesn't? What if you're not particularly happy with where you are today? Maybe you've got a vision or a dream of going somewhere different, being more successful in whichever way success looks to you. If you want to grow, if you want to improve, if you want to become more successful, if you want to get happier in life, in your job, in relationships, is the current path that you're on the one that's going to take you there? If it is, wonderful. Continually review it, continually look at it, continually have a debrief on what it is you're doing today with a reflection on where it is you're heading. But if it's not looking like it's going to take you to a place that's better than where you are right now, and that's where you want to get to, what changes do you need to make? What are the things that are holding you back? Formula One teams are incredibly good at reviewing what's happened, both on a long-term basis, but also on a really short-term basis. Looking at how we behave today, what processes and procedures we use, which people are in which places in terms of our business, whether that's a driver, race engineers, mechanics, or anybody. Which kind of tools do we use? Which resources are, f are put into which places? And are they effective? Are they doing a good job? Are they doing a job that will get us where we want to go? Because it's very rare that the things you do today are going to be exactly the right things that five years from now will get you where you need to be. They might be the right things for today, but when you review them at the end of a day or the end of a week, end of a month, end of a year, when you review the things that go on in your life right now, there's almost always room for improvement, for tweaking them, for making them a tiny bit different or better becoming stronger in certain areas, minimizing the areas where you might be weak, moving people around. And that can be in a business, but it can also be in your social circles. Are there people that are holding you back from your ambition? If they are, can we talk to them? Can we have a discussion with them? Can we have the sort of conversation I'm having with you right now with those people? Can you lay your ambitions out on the line to them and say, listen, this is where I want to go. You know, if you're the sort of person that every single night goes to the pub with your mates and it might really annoy your partner, your husband or wife who's at home. Now, that's a very general theoretical type situation. But if there was somebody who every single night went out with their mates, got a little bit drunk, came home a little bit drunk and their other half is at home, having missed them all evening, never getting a chance to speak to them or to hang out with them or to spend time with them. And then you go to bed and that's a cycle that repeats itself. If you look at that really broad and general situation, the journey that that person is on is unlikely to be one that ends in some wonderful success five years from now. That relationship is unlikely to be one that continues to blossom, goes from strength to strength. It's much more likely to be a relationship that deteriorates over time to the point of destruction. So those are the kinds of scenarios, and that was an extreme example, but those are the kinds of scenarios where if we look back at what we do today, what have we done this week? What did we do over the past month? How have you felt? Has it made you feel? 
Are you excited about the future? And if you're not excited about the future, why not? Is it because the future probably to you looks like today? Or could the future look different? Could the future be exciting if we thought differently about it? And if we're gonna think differently about the future, a future that could have excitement, an unknown at this point, but one that really could be laced with positivity that could have so many opportunities lying within it. If that's a possibility, if you could have a future that looks something like that, how do we get it? How do we change what we do today to get somewhere closer to it? So my challenge to you this week is to think about what sort of journey or mission you're on and where you are on that journey. What can you do today that might influence the journey moving further down the line? There's always something. There's always something that you can do to improve your life, improve the way you live your life and get better outcomes as a result. I know that through my experience of working at McLaren, one of the most successful teams in the history of the sport. That didn't happen by accident. And I was fortunate enough to have many of those lessons imparted on me over a 10 year period. And now here I am trying to share as many of them as I can with you. So have a think about it. Okay, I want to move it on. Um, as I talked about, I'm on a mission with this podcast. That's why I came up with this particular subject today. This is a journey that I hope I'm still at the very start of. I want this to go on almost indefinitely. I'd love it to, but that relies on your input, on your support, which I know I get every single week and I appreciate. But I have also enlisted the support of two partners this time around. The first one being Omologato watches. Many of you know them. The reason that I went to Omologato, I only approached two brands, by the way, to come on board with this podcast. And I'm delighted to say they both said yes. I wasn't going to open the floodgates and just take money or resource or input from anyone who came along. I want to limit it to only two sponsors and I very specifically targeted two sponsors that I wanted to be partnered with, that I knew were a perfect fit for what we're doing right here. Omologato is definitely one, I've talked about them lots, but I wanna share a story about Omologato watches because not only do they create beautiful motorsport inspired timepieces and they are stunning. If you've ever seen me on Wheeler Dealers working on a car, you'll have seen that I wear them. Now I've never been paid to wear an Omologato watch. I wear them because I love them. And also they're really affordable watches. You'll be surprised at what they cost when you see what they look like. You can check them all out at omologatowatches.com. But I want to share a story that I just found out this week, and it's around a particular watch. Now, if anyone's aware of the Reims circuit down in France, it's an important, historically important motorsport venue. And it exists solely on the donations of members of the public who go and see it. It's been restored. It is kept alive purely on donations of people who stop and visit, take photos there. It's been part of magazine shoots. It's been used as a filming location. It's an incredibly impressive, but really important historic venue. And when the, motor, when the boss of Omologato watches, my friend Shami, was driving down through France and went to the Reims circuit and stopped off and got talking to the owners, they told him that. They told him, look, this place costs a huge amount of money every month to keep going, to stay operational, and we rely solely on the donations. We don't charge people to get in. And when Shami found that, he said, look, this is great. This is important. We need to keep this place alive. He said, I know what I'll do. 
He said, I'll create a watch. And he created, he designed a watch called the Reams. You can find it on omelagatowatches.com. It's a beautiful watch. But what he said was, I'll donate all of the profits that come from that watch, from any sales, I'll donate it to the cause of keeping the Reams circuit alive. And he's done exactly that. And over the past month, he's just handed a check over to the Reams circuit for £10,000. Now that, I think, is an incredible, inspiring story. But it's a story that sums up the journey or the mission that Omologato watches are on. It's a mission to give back to motorsport. They exist because of Shami's passion for racing, passion for motorsport, a passion that many of you listening to this podcast I know share. And because of that passion, there is a bigger story to what Omologato watches do. Of course, they're a business. Of course, they have to make a profit. But they also give a huge amount of those profits back to grassroots motorsport, to helping motorsport fans, motorsport competitors and motorsport circuits and venues to stay alive and to thrive. And I think that's a really important mission that they're on and I want to support them. So I'm really pleased and proud that they've joined us on this journey for this particular episode. The second partner that's come on board for this episode is Car Gods. They're a detailing company and there's a very specific difference between detailing a car and just cleaning it. And that's what Car Gods are all about. It's about the finer details of what you do. I have tried and tested so many products over the years in the various roles that I have on television, but also at home, on what suite of products works best to give the very best finish, and it is the Car Gods detailing set of products. Again, not massively expensive, but what you get is a professional level set of kit. These are not products that have been widely available to the public for a long time, but you can now buy them. You can go direct to cargods.com or through a small number of outlets. But these are a set of products that the professional car detailing world uses. And it's all about attention to detail. And that's why it's such a good fit for all of the things that we talk about here. They have become good friends of mine in recent times, and I really would love it if you would go to cargods.com and show them some love. If you've got a car, any car, a car that you're proud of particularly, a car that you want to show off, Cargods is what you need. Their website not only sells the products, but has a huge amount of advice on how to do the best job, how to use the products, how to look after your car and the way it looks. And for somebody who's passionate about the automotive world like I am, well, they couldn't be a better partner for this particular podcast. So please go and check out cargods.com and omelagatowatches.com. And look, if you do send them a message, if you do go and buy something, or just say hello, say where you heard about them. Tell them that you came from the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast, and that would be also a huge plus for me. It would make a big difference. So thank you. Now, finally, before we finish, I want to tell you a very quick story that happened in my life yesterday that I think is a really important one. It's a story that on the face of it seems like a bit of a gimmick, but I want to tell you and explain how important, how much it changed my life as I go through it. And I want to tell you very quickly, first of all, what the story is, because yesterday I taught my son to break a pencil with his finger. And <laughs> that might sound like absolute madness. Now, we've gone through a few pencils now. Uh, we've also gone through quite a lot of pain because he hurt his finger when he tried to do it. And what I'm talking about is me holding a pencil right at the tips 
out in front of me holding the pencil at either end and him almost like a, a dumbed down version of a karate chop breaking the pencil with one outstretched index finger. Now, what I want you to do, or I'll ask you to do, is to try that yourself. Do it at home. See if someone can hold a pencil for you and see if you can break the pencil just by smashing it with your finger. Now, before you do it, I'm gonna tell you, it's probably gonna hurt, right? It's probably gonna really hurt quite a lot. Now, what I taught my son to do yesterday is to overcome that and break it with his finger to the point where it doesn't hurt at all. And let me explain some context around this because you're probably thinking, oh, that's utter madness. When I was 12 years old, and this is how impactful it was in my life, I remember exactly where I was and what happened. When I was 12 years old, which is the age my son's at today, I was at secondary school and I was at the back of a class, pretty uninterested, along with a friend of mine. And my friend, his name was Mark Ridquist. I haven't seen him since, but I remember his name specifically. He just turned black belt in karate and he just learnt the power of mind over matter as part of his karate and martial arts training. And he said to me at the back of this class, he said, look, hold this pencil. He said, I reckon I can break it with my finger. I said, no, you can't, don't be silly. And he put, took his finger, I held out the pencil. He focused, he zoned in, he did all of his martial arts training, put all that into practice, sailed through the middle of the pencil as if it wasn't there. I said, let me have a go. He held out a pencil, I smashed it as hard as I could, and my God, it hurt. I felt like I'd broken my finger. I said, but I've seen it, but I've seen it being done. He's proven it can do it. Give me another go. Whack, and I hurt my finger again. And then my mate Mark set about teaching me and explaining to me that it was all about controlling your mind, about how it's all about focus on your finger going through the pencil, telling yourself, convincing yourself that it was possible, convincing yourself that when you bring your, your finger down hard on that pencil, the pencil is not going to stop you and you're gonna go straight through the middle. And I tried a couple more times and I couldn't do it until eventually he said, look, you've gotta stop laughing about it, you've gotta take it seriously. You've gotta block everything else out and focus purely on the moment your finger just crashes straight through the middle, as if it was just a paper straw. He said, tell yourself that story. See that picture in your mind over and over. And then when you're ready, when you've got nothing else in your thoughts, go for it. And he held the pencil out and I brought my finger down hard, but not too hard. And I went straight through the pencil and I didn't even feel it. I wasn't even sure I'd broken it when I first did it because I didn't even feel it. And it was all about mind over matter. It was my thoughts telling myself, telling me, telling my brain that it wasn't gonna hurt, that I wasn't going to back out, that what my brain had intuitively convinced itself was about to happen was that I was gonna really hurt myself, so subconsciously I backed out of it and I couldn't do it. And I'd convinced myself I couldn't do that. It wasn't possible until I blocked everything out and I took charge of my own thought process. I zoned in and focused on me sailing through that pencil and then I began to do it and I could do it repeatedly. And with just a click and not even the tiniest possibility that I was gonna hurt my finger. I knew 100% every time I did it, and I still do this today, I know 100% it's not gonna hurt and that pencil is going to break. First time, never even a question. And the reason that I'm able to do that it's exactly that, that I know 100% that's what's about to happen when I start the motion. 
There is no negative thought creeping in. There's no space for that negative thought to creep in and tell my brain that actually it might hurt, so be careful. Because what happens in that moment is your brain takes over and subconsciously, just before you hit the pencil, you take a sharp intake of breath, you back out of it, and it hurts and you don't break it. Whereas if you know you're going to go through, if you're 100% confident, with no room, no margin for it not working, you exhale, you breathe out, you take control of your breath, you slice straight through the middle and you barely even feel it happening. And that process was what I taught my 12-year-old son yesterday. And you might think, well, why on earth are you teaching your son to smash up pencils with a risk that he might hurt his finger? I did it because that moment when I was 12 years old had a profound effect on me for the rest of my life. And the reason is that I began to believe that I could do anything I set my mind to. Because in that moment, what I did, what I was able to teach my son to do yesterday was that we were able to change our capabilities, our physical capabilities. Something that he was convinced he couldn't do he didn't go away and train to become stronger. He didn't have to wait until he was bigger and more powerful. He didn't have to develop some new physical technique, take a runner or hit it harder. He didn't have to go through pain. He simply had to control his own mind. He had to control his own thoughts. And when we start to appreciate what we can achieve simply by controlling our own thoughts, minimizing negativity that can creep in, it's incredible. You should have seen the look on my son's face yesterday when he first did it. He actually said to me, did I do it? Did I do it? Because he wasn't sure that he'd actually hit the pencil. He was so focused on what he was doing that his finger sailed straight through the pencil. It snapped and he barely even felt it. Now, I know from experience and I now have seen it in someone else. I've seen it in him how powerful this can be as a tool. Of course, it's a metaphor for things that we can apply it to way bigger than just breaking a pencil. The very point is we can teach ourselves, train ourselves, convince ourselves to do things that otherwise we are convinced that we cannot do. And imagine a life that's held back purely because our mind tells us we can't do something. Not because physically we can't do it, not because something's impossible, but because a little tiny subconscious voice in our mind tells us it's impossible, tells us that we can't do it. Imagine going through the whole of your life with that holding you back inside your head. And that is the very realistic existence for many, many people. I'd go as far as to say most people. The one thing that holds us back from most things in our life is us. It's the voice in our head, the voice that we might not want to admit is there, but is always there. It doesn't have to be an actual voice, but there's something subconscious that tells us whether something's going to hurt or whether we can't do it, we can't achieve it. There's no way that's possible. And the moment we hear that, we're absolutely right. It isn't possible. Things that we hear our mind or things that our mind hears us saying, whether true or not, can have a massive influence on what we're able to achieve. The stories we tell our brain can be completely made up, but if we tell our brain them over and over again, 
our brain will believe them. Our brain will act upon them. But exactly the same is true of negative stories. If we tell ourselves a negative story every day, if we tell ourselves we can't do it, we're not worthy, we're not enough, we're not good enough, that's exactly what our brain thinks. If we tell our brains we're not attractive, that we're ugly, if we tell our brains we're not talented, that people don't like us, any of these negative stories, our brain will believe them. It has no other source of input other than things that it sees and hears and that the senses pick up on. And so we have the power to change that story. We have the power to change the messages that our brain receives. Because if we can zone in and focus on something that we need to achieve to the exclusivity of any other thoughts or of any other negative thoughts, then our brain only hears a positive affirmation that we can do it. That's how my 12-year-old son is now able to break pencils. That's now why I've got broken pencils all over my house. But I'm hoping it will have the effect that that same experience had on me when I was 12. An appreciation that all the things I think I can't do might actually now be questionable. What if it is just my brain telling me I can't do them? Just like I thought there was no way I could break a pencil. What if those things are now possible? If I now tell myself they're possible. If I go through life trying to change the message that I can tell my brain, the possibilities might really start opening up. And that profound moment all those years ago in the back of that class when I should have been listening to the teacher, but I was trying to break a pencil and in the beginning really hurting my finger has changed the trajectory of my life. This message that I'm telling you now, this process that I went through with my son yesterday, I've been through with a number of other people. I taught it to people at McLaren. I discussed it with Olympic training coaches during my time at McLaren, when we were having conversations and consultations with elite level trainers, I talked about that same example. Some of them even said, what a great way to describe it. What a great way to visualize it. I've used it with a lot of people. I go into companies and I talk about that very same thing. And look, go and try it. At the end of this podcast, get someone to hold a pencil. Try and break it. And I almost guarantee you won't be able to unless you're able to solely focus, block out everything else and visualize, visualize the moment your finger sails through the middle of that pencil. And I'm pretty sure you'll be amazed at the results when you achieve it. And it is when you achieve it, not if you achieve it, because this is open to everybody. There's no exclusivity here. You don't have to be strong enough to break a pencil. My son's 12, he's tiny. We can all do it. And it's purely a case of controlling the thoughts in our own mind. That's something we have the power to do. It might take some practice. It might take a little bit of time to get into a place where you can zone and block everything out. But that's a skill that's worth putting a little bit of time into. Because if we can do it just to break a pencil, we can do it for all other manner of reasons. I would really challenge you to go away and check that out, to try it as a test, as an example, as a little challenge for this week. See if you can break a pencil. Please don't come back at me if you hurt yourself. I'm doing this with the well-known risk that you could hurt yourself if you get it wrong. 
<laughs> but this is something that any one of us can achieve and is a metaphor for life. If we can break a pencil, we can do anything. A message that was drummed into me, a message that I left my time at McLaren and my time in Formula One 100% clear on, was that whether we believe we can do something or we believe we can't, we're right. Think about that. If you don't believe you can do something 100%, you won't be able to do it. If you do believe you can do it, well then there's a good chance you might well be able to achieve it. And the difference between the two is solely in your mind. No one else is controlling that apart from you. So if you can take a bit of time, if you can take a bit of patience and put a bit of attention into changing the way you think, the possibilities could be enormous. I wish you the very best of luck in breaking pencils. Um, don't hurt yourself, but do let me know when you've done it. Do let me know how you got on and how it makes you feel, whether it changes your philosophy on things moving forward. It may not do it today. My son, I'm sure, will just think of it right now as a wonderful party trick, as something he can show off to his mates to do. We are going through pencils at a rate of knots, but I'm okay with that because I hope it sinks in. I hope that in years to come, he will remember the day that I taught him to break this pencil like I remember it from back when I was 12. And I hope that influences the decisions that he makes, the challenges that he feels willing to take on, the opportunities that he's ready to grasp hold of, and that it might lead to some incredible outcomes somewhere further down the line that might be attributed all the way back to today. It goes back to where we started today's podcast. We are all on a journey somewhere. We may not know where it's going or how it's going to end. We may not even know which phase of this particular journey we're on, how close to the finish line we might be. But the point is the things we're doing right now are having an effect on that journey. I hope the fact that you've chosen today to listen to this podcast could be a positive influence on the journey that you're on. I hope that's the mission of this very outcome, of this very podcast. That's why I do it. So thank you for spending your time with me. Thank you for choosing to spend an hour with a Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. And if you have, then please show me some love in all the ways that I talked about earlier, by sharing, by liking or subscribing. Please leave me a rating or a review Come on, do it for the start of season five in the Apple podcast store. Every one of those reviews I share on my own social media channels. But drop me a message. Share it amongst your friends and colleagues on your own social channels. And please show some love to the two companies that are going to help us to grow this community in season five. Omelagatowatches.com. Go and see them. Check out the beautiful motorsport-inspired timepieces and cargods.com, a attention to detail inspired brand with a business that is very similar to that of McLaren. I went to their facility up in Rochdale recently. It's like the MTC, the attention to detail is mind blowing. Go and check them out, cargods.com. Get some stuff to keep your car looking amazing and have a wonderful week, guys, whatever it is you're up to. I appreciate every single one of you and I'm glad we're in season five. I'm glad you're with me and I hope we'll be back next week to do more. Join me then. 
And in the meantime, remember this, do the right things, do the things right. <laughs>